welcome to Practicing Life, a podcast where I share my personal journey with you so that you can be the person you want to be. I'm Ashley Pitzer, the host of this podcast, fantasy writer, yoga instructor, personal trainer and fitness instructor, mom of two kids on the autism spectrum, and wife to a twin flame. Now, let's balance our mind, body, and spirit. Hello, hello, beautiful souls. This is Ashley Pitzer, your host with Practicing Life. I'm coming to you today with a slight cold. Isn't it nice? My voice is so smoky. I love it. It's kind of the sexy, um, well, my perception of a sexy voice. But anyway, today, today, we are going to talk about uh, overcommitting, overdoing, and how that leads to burnout, what that kind of really means, like broken down and like your scientific, you know, way it affects your body. So again, I am speaking from my experiences, things that I have gone through. I'm definitely not a doctor and um, I'm using my version and my lingo to break this down to you in a way that makes sense to me. Therefore, I believe it will make sense to you. So, you know, one of the things, and and I'm coming also just keeping in mind that I, you know, have for the last like decade or more been in the fitness industry and teaching um, fitness classes, you know, doing that kind of stuff, being a training for things myself. So, you know, just to kind of summarize, I am a mom, I have a special needs kid um, that has high needs. And then I have another kid who also has a lot of, you know, unusual um, circumstances to work through. And then, you know, on top of that, you know, I, I am married, you know, I have a house, I have two dogs, I have a cat, right? I have a job, you know, I have all of these responsibilities on my plate and I'm one person. And on top of that, you know, I am very committed and devoted to my physical health. And so part of my life is being committed to working out, making time for that, making that a priority. So if you can just take that, all these roles that you, you, you just heard me, right? Say, I am a mother, I am a caregiver, I am a wife, I am, you know, a worker, (laughs) I have a household to manage. You know, there's all of these roles that I play. I'm an athlete. I compete in different events and I have all these commitments. And, you know, one of the things that I have had to strive for is to let go of this overdoing, overcommitting type of behavior. You know, on top of all of that, for the longest time, I also had like my church and my volunteer commitments. Like if there was a second in my day that I could sit down and relax, I found a way of doing something, right? Like I don't, I'm I'm not a person who hires a maid. I do all of my grocery shopping. I do all of my bills, you know, I plan out the grocery list. I plan out what food we're going to make. I don't go out to eat very much. So if you can imagine, it was really easy for me to get into overcommitted overdoing. And one of the things that my mentor, Jim Fortin, talks about a lot, and I kind of, I see it more now than I did when I first heard this message, but how you do one thing is how you do everything. And so we, you know, often think about, um, compartmentalized areas in our life. So, you know, like you, you may be able to identify yourself as someone who is overcommitted to work, right? You may be able to see and be aware that you're a person who multitask and you're on the phone making a business call, you're driving to work, you know, you're also eating your breakfast in between, you know, these bites when your client or whoever you're talking to on the phone is is going into like a speech and you might be trying to take a bite or two and wipe your face and break so that, you know, the person who just cut you off makes room, you know, you make room for them. Like, you know, you get into all this multitasking and you're doing, 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 and you're drinking your coffee and you're going and you might be able to see, yeah, okay, I might be overcommitted at work. I'm taking on a lot of responsibility, but also seeing how that you do that 
not only in work, but in outside of work. And maybe you don't. And kudos for you, because at least you'd have one place where you're not doing that. But again, speaking from my experience, I was a person in, and in some ways who really enjoyed the the stress and the chaos. Like sometimes and that made me feel challenged and excited and it was a positive thing and I would look forward to it. But then you get into this habitualized, you know, pattern of it where you keep doing it over and over and over and it leads it leads to this like chronic stress on your body to high cortisol levels. Okay, so like this is kind of where I'm going with this today. So, you know, in in my life, I can tell you that I did want to be stretched. I did want to be challenged. And the thing about it is, it's like I was not a person who balanced that, that challenge and the strive to grow with rest, with recovery, and with celebration. I just skipped over that step and like jumped into the next one. And I, and like I said just a minute ago, it became habitualized. It became a pattern for me. And then over time, this started to affect my body. So when I want to just kind of tie this into like working out, maybe you guys will be able to relate to this a little bit differently from the working out standpoint. So when I'm working out, when I'm coaching somebody, when I'm doing personal training with them, or even in a, in a class, I, I am always trying to push somebody's limits, push them to the next level. But in this environment, I'm also disciplined and I'm c- controlled as their coach. Like they're looking to me and I know that their body needs to be pushed and then maintain that level for two to three weeks and then be pushed and then maintain that level. And then within all of that, I need to scale them back and give them a recovery day, right? So that's part of it. And if you know very much about the muscles, the muscles need to be like overloaded. They, they need to be torn and then they need to go through a recovery process so that you become stronger. And this is very important. And so if we want to relate this to like another example of how our body works, let's look at our food, right? Like if you are somebody who has gone through the process of losing weight and you've changed your diet and your lifestyle around eating, um, one of the lessons that you've probably learned, and if you haven't, maybe this will be helpful for you, is that you need you need a cheat day, like essentially, or you you need to be able to maintain whatever you're doing like constant. So that's one of the reasons why a lot of people will tell you to build in a cheat day or build in a snack for your day and to have that like control. Because if you constantly go at 100%, like if you are following some type of Atkins diet or, you know, some type of low carb diet, like keto, and you're 100% like cutting out these carbs, like eventually your body isn't getting something that it needs and it starts to experience like a crash or you start to experience other symptoms or little things will start to pop up like, um, you know, like if you've cut dairy out of your diet and you're not supplementing it, you'll start to notice maybe some teeth pain or your bones are, you know, over time get brittle and you start to notice like little things that start happening, right? So those are two different examples besides work. So you have the work example of how you show up and you want to be stressed, like you're, you want to be stressed, no, stretched. (laughs) Like you want to have that challenge. You want sometimes that you just want to know what it's like to do something different, you know, to learn something new. And so, you know, anytime you're going through that in a work situation, you're piling a, a certain amount of stress on your body and your body is meant to adapt. This is like the science aspect of our body, right? Like our body experiences a stress and then that's like the cause, you know, is that your 
doing something different and your body experiences the effect of stress. And when you do this in small, like incremental levels, your body adapts and it evolves and it changes. And this is positive. This is what you see in nature. Like are we are meant to adapt. Our bodies are meant to adapt. But then there's also this balance. There's this balance of rest, recovery, and then like going forward and doing it again. So um, I like to think about things on a subconscious level. So I like to also think about the aspect that you need to celebrate what you've done. So there needs to be some type of like mental reward. Um, So anyway, when you start to develop a pattern of constantly going, constantly pushing yourself, constantly being under stress, um, committing to like more and more things like, um, you know, the, the lack of ability to say no, the, or the thing of expectation, the expectation that you, you have to get this done. Like, um, like for instance, the last two days I've been not feeling as well and experiencing cold symptoms, right? And so I'm committed to working out, but I'm not going to be able to work out the same way that I would work out if I was healthy. And so like for me, like if I did 15 minutes of like stretching, which some people wouldn't even count that as a workout, you know, I feel that I've done what I needed to do. Like I honored my body. I moved. I moved in a way that was gentle and kind to my body, but I didn't push my body. I didn't expect very much out of my body. I let it recover. And then when I'm fully recovered, you better believe that I'm going to make up for that. Like I'm going to give myself maybe 15 or 30 minutes extra for a couple of days to kind of make up for the loss of what I've done. Right. So I'm trying to, uh, I'm not trying, I am, I'm honoring my body. I'm loving myself and I'm giving myself like what I need to be able to continue to challenge myself, but in a healthy way. Okay. So where am I going with all of this? I was a person who was overcommitted and I've already listed out all of my roles, but like a day for me would be I was under the belief system. I was (laughs) totally believed this and I was suckered into this lifestyle. And I I see so many people living this lifestyle as well. So I know I'm not alone in this, but I was a person who wanted to climb the ladder of success and I wanted to reach this financial status within my career or the recognition within my career. Um, That's me. There's people out there who get one job and they want to stay in this job and not coast. Coast isn't the word I'm looking for, but they just, they're happy where they are and they want to stay and that's fine. But I was a person who, um, I loved it when my boss would be like, I need somebody to work on this project. And then there'd be my like hand shooting up. Like I was always like so excited. I was this total overdoer. But even if I wasn't an overdoer, even if I came from the philosophy, like my husband, he's been in the same job for 15 years doing the same thing and it works for him. But, you know, even if you are like my husband or if you are like me, you can still get into this like chronic overdoing, right? Like for me, I was under this belief system that, you know, I need to be a good employee and I put these expectations of myself. So I defined that a good employee is somebody who shows up to work early, somebody who stays late, somebody who works through their lunch, somebody who's going to take that phone call, you know, like um, somebody who's going to check their emails before they go to bed. I'm going to make sure that I'm responsive to my clients and to my boss and to the people out there that are looking for me to get answers. Like, and not only am I going to do all of that stuff, but because how I do one thing is how I do everything, I'm going to make sure that I show up to every one of my kids like doctor appointments. And, you know, like I am going to be on their IEP meetings and advocating for them. And I'm going to be researching and I'm going to reach out to other moms and I'm going to find this, you know, nugget of information that's going to be able to help my kid. And I'm going to make sure that my kid always gets their medicine, like, you know, which is, you know, something that you should do, honestly, but like my kid needs seizure medicine. So I'm going to make sure my kid always has seizure medicine and I'm going to make sure that I'm on top of this, you know, and like you just start stacking all 
all these responsibilities. My house is going to be clean. People can come over anytime and see that my house is clean. Like, you know, my clothes are going to look great. Like, you know, they're always going to be wrinkle free or whatever, which I'm not that person, but I'm just giving you this as an illustration. Um, Anyway, you just start stacking all these things up. I'm going to take my kids. My kids are going to be successful. And because my kids are going to be successful, they're going to be involved in, and this honestly, I'm talking from my own experience. So like, it was really important to me that at least for my, my kid that was able to, that he was involved in, um, an instrument, so some type of music, and that he was involved in the sports, you know, so I always made sure that he was going to, you know, piano or singing lessons and on top of that, that he was going to like volleyball or soccer or whatever sport it was at the time that he was in it, you know, and those were like two super important things to me. So, you know, like summer swim team, you know, you had that and volunteering at the swim meets and, you know, just over, over, over doing, and you can see how your entire day gets eaten up and there's like so little time left at the end of the day. And so um, somebody once put this, um, the minimalist, I believe it was that I heard on their podcast and it made such clarity for me. So I'm going to just share this information that I received from them is that, you know, we treat our brain when we get into this busy mode and this overcommitted and this doing, doing and this multitasking mode, like when we get into this, which is what society seems to praise, I mean, like, I'm going to take a pause here and just kind of backtrack a little bit. But like, one of the things, you know, I've always thought about on a personal level is like, most people seem to be addicted to something. And like, I was like, I would say addicted to exercise and I use that almost as a buffer. Um, and some people are addicted to things that this world is, you know, working on as uh, educational stuff to like maybe move away from. And that could be examples of like doing drugs or alcohol or sex addiction, right? There's like certain things that the world has classified as unhealthy and they try to move the population away from. But then there's all this other area where the world doesn't consider it to be unhealthy and, and therefore it is like almost promoted. So being a workaholic, I would have told you I was a workaholic at one point in my life. I remember my husband telling me that I had to choose between work or him. And like, I remember going into my boss and like just shutting her office door and like bawling my eyes out because I didn't want to make this choice. I loved my job and I was super committed to it. And I loved my husband, but I was so addicted to work. I mean, (laughs) I was so addicted to work. This is pre-kids, you know? So like pre-kids, I can remember going into the office. I, I literally would bring, um, I used to review contracts and stuff like that. So I would bring contracts and I would be at the gym running on a treadmill or I'd be biking on my spin bike at the gym and I would have my contract like in front of me and my highlighter and I would be reading and highlighting as I worked out, like multitasking, right? And then I would work all day and I would work until like sometimes eight or nine o'clock at night and then I would come home and I would like kind of update my husband and I would go to bed and I would do the same thing Monday through Friday, but then I'd also go in to work on Saturday and Sunday. And like I did this day after day for like years. So that's where my husband was coming to this conversation. Like as as a partner to him, I wasn't available to him because I was only available to work, you know? Um, so that's a little side story, right? But kind of pulling myself back to this original story, you know, like I was a person who was multitasking and on the go, go, go. And I had this belief system that you show up early, you give it 100%. You give it more than 100% because 100%, is that enough? You know, like that was kind of like my attitude, right? And so when I heard the mentalist talk about how we treat our body like we are running a sprint, but it's a marathon. Like our life is a marathon. Our life just keeps going, 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 going. And you can't sprint a marathon. No. Maybe you can. There's some elite people out there that can, but you couldn't sprint it every single day. You couldn't get out on a course and like sprint a marathon every single day without recovery, without rest. I mean, because what's going to happen? Injuries. 
injuries are going to happen. If you don't believe me, like try it. (laughs) No, I really don't want you to try it because injuries can be painful and they can take a long time. I am like absolutely living proof of this too. When I was training for my half Ironman, I had the schedule and I ran on certain days and I would have these injuries, these minor injuries. And I'd be like, but I can't give up. I'm committed. I can't give up on my workout today. This is what I'm supposed to do today. This is pre me doing a lot of inner work and a lot of coaching um, with the life coach. Like before me really managing my mind, I was addicted to not only being a workaholic, but also being an athlete. And I used exercise as a buffer to get away from all of my problems. And I just loved being able to focus on pushing my body and pushing my limits. And I loved that gratification of like winning. And so like there was this reward built into there. And I knew that I wasn't going to win unless I pushed myself. So every day I was going out and I was giving it my all. And this is with me being a personal trainer. This is with me being in the fitness industry for like years, you know, but but I wasn't being a coach to myself. I was being an athlete and I wasn't, you know, taking the approach of I needed a coach because I'm like, I know this information, but I wasn't having the discipline for recovery. And if I had a coach, they would have surely sat me down. Eventually, I did start working with a coach. And, you know, they they told me the same thing. Like when I'm running, you know, you're, you got to run and you got to keep your heart rate under like 145 beats per minute. And you need to run slow so that one day when you're at your race or, you know, as you start to build up for race day, you're going to notice that you're going to be able to run faster. So you have to run slow in the beginning so that you can run faster in the long run. And I was doing the exact opposite. I was putting my heart and soul into every single practice and I was burning myself out and I was getting injuries and I was having to start over, over and over and over because I would get these injuries that would like just you know, full stop, you can't do anymore. I mean, I will tell you on my Ironman, I ended up tearing my road, um, not my rotator cuff, but my meniscus and my knee getting off the bike. But I was like, no, I have this goal and I'm doing it because I was like in my addiction of I have to achieve this goal. My worth is tied to this goal. I am, you know, not good enough. I am blah, blah, blah if I do not achieve this goal. So I know I'm combining a lot of thoughts and theories in here, but what I want to talk to you about is like this theory of like burnout, because this is where at least America is. I know people from all over the country listen to these podcasts. And so, you know, um, I can't speak for other countries, but I can speak to the way that we treat America is like workaholic is promoted. It is wanted. It is desired. A case in point, one of my one of my previous employers, um, before they hired me, they had me meet like the chief, like the head of the department, the big, you know, high up person. And this person wanted to make sure that what he called a chief, he wanted to make sure that I was a chief firefighter. And when I sat back and I look at this now, hindsight, and after going through life coaching, like what I realized is like he was looking for people, like he only wanted people on his team that had this workaholic mentality, that had this, I'm going to work and I'm going to strive to prove myself in work. Like he specifically wanted those people. He wanted those people who needed the validation of work to make them feel like good about themselves. And I was one of those people. And so like, yeah, he agreed that I could be hired onto his team and whatnot. And I worked and I proved myself to be one of those people because that's who I was. So anyway, um, when we do this, we get into burnout. And burnout's like this really, you know, thrown around word. So let's just define it. So um, the dictionary from a psychological standpoint of burnout is a physical, emotional, or mental exhaustion accompanied by decreased motivation, lowered performance, and negative attitude towards oneself and or others. Okay, so that's kind of the definition of burnout. But what I want you to realize, and it's another one of those, um, whatever, the flavor of the month or the year words, adrenaline fatigue. I 
was somebody, I mean, one of the reasons why I made such dramatic shifts in my life is because I was getting to dangerous levels of adrenal fatigue. I was already well into stage three. Like I could have been at stage four, but stage four is when you completely shut down. But I'm telling you, my personal experience was that I was to a point where my, I was, I had five years of living with a chronic inflammation problem. I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, which they considered to be a connective tissue disorder so that I was in constant inflammation and pain. And I was doing everything possible to maintain a quality of life, still keep doing and overdoing and overcommitting and function. Like that's what I was committed to. And so... I want to go over just really quickly adrenaline fatigue because this is where a lot of us are at. And this is one of the reasons why it's like uh, it's a really big subject right now and people are starting to learn more about it. And, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not here to solve any of this for you. But awareness is the first step. So, you know, adrenaline fatigue is basically, this is kind of my summarized definition of it, a prolonged exposure to stress that leads to brain fog, low energy, depressive moods, an inability to fall asleep, you know, but not having enough energy to function during the day. It's like loss of memory, okay? And so there are four stages. And you're going to see adrenaline fatigue talked about a lot in the chiropractor world. And it's becoming more talked about in the medical world. But at least when I was diagnosed with this, and I was going through, I'll call it a treatment, um, what I was told was that, you know, there's not like a pill that you can take for adrenaline fatigue. You know, there's not this like quick fix. And so, um, you know, there has been some research and some study done around four stages of adrenal fatigue. And so I'm going to talk about this really briefly because this is already getting on the long side for my podcast. Um, And I'm going to personalize this to me. So please look this up. You're going to find because this is more like predominantly in chiropractors, um, some life coaches do this, you're going to see that there's a lot of variations. And there's like less like, uh, well, I'm I guess I would say less like scientifical information where it's so black and white, right? Everybody kind of has their own spin to this, but there's a lot of similarities that you're going to see if you research this and do this on your own, which I encourage you to do. I'm just going to kind of break it down in the way of I experienced it and how I know it to be true for me. Okay, so there's stage one, and I'm going to call this stage superwoman stage. Okay, if you're a male and you're listening to this, personalize it to you. You know, if you're trans, personalize it to you, please. But for me, this was called superwoman. Ashley is a effing superwoman. I could do it all. I did it all. And I have the evidence and I have the proof and I freaking rocked and I absolutely love it. Okay. This is what got me addicted to overdoing superman, superwoman stage. In this stage, it's very much that um, adrenaline kicks in for you. You start to go through your central nervous system kicks in and you have this fight or flight rush, right? You're either going to, you're either going to step up to the plate or you're going to run from it, you know? And so, um, adrenaline kicks in and you feel like you feel almost this positivity towards stress. Like it's stressful, but you know, you can do it. You know, you can handle it. And I love this stage. I mean, this is where I got addicted personally. For me, this stage was freaking amazing. Like that I could, I could produce a amazing results. And, and okay, I'm, I'm very much like a feminist and patriarchy. So for all my women out there that are listening to this, this is what society sells us. I want to say, scream like, F you, but we're not doing that. So, but this is what we are sold. We are sold so much on productivity. And so this first stage of adrenaline 
fatigue. I'm, I feel like this is the first stage, but it's not really the negative stage. Like it's the reward stage. It is the stage that society approves of you and rewards you for. You stepped up, you got it done. You were able to do tasks faster than ever. You were super efficient. You got it done. You had the most productive day. It was rewarding. It felt incredible. You were able to get all the laundry done, grocery shopping, the meal cooked and on the, you know, you know, dinner table 15 minutes early. You managed to hit all of your kids Um, sporting events. You managed to get all your emails done at work. You managed to talk to two of your best friends. You had, you know, an awesome conversation with your husband. You might have had the best sex of your life that night. It freaking is an amazing day. It's praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Whatever you believe in. It is a It is an amazing day. Everything aligns. Everything happens for you. It is amazing. You hit a day that was going to be stressful and you met its match and you were freaking superwoman. And you can be in this stage often because in this stage, you have a stress. Your body registers the stress. It floods you with the energy that you need and you do it. And if you step back and you rest and you recover, you're going to recover really quickly. And, you know, two, three days later, you can have another day like this. And it feels freaking amazing, right? And you can get the cycle. This cycle is okay. The cycle is nice. Like the cycle is wonderful. Because like if you give yourself the time to recover, to celebrate, to slow down in between. So you ran your race, you ran your sprint, and a sprint is a short distance. And now you go into the marathon, right? You go into the slow pace. You're pacing your life. You're pacing the decisions. You're pacing what you do. And you're getting like a recovery in your brain. I'm talking about your mind. Your mind is now in your marathon mode. It's going slow. It's it's getting the recovery or it's fully resting. It's freaking taking a nap. It's taking the day off, whatever. This is This is a great stage. But the problem is, is like, you know, if you're a chronic overdoer or you're super overcommitted, you go into stage two. Stage two, I will call it as, I'll take an extra cup of coffee, please. So in this stage, um, your body starts to send signals that it needs rest. So you might start to feel a little agitated here and you feel a little slower and you're like, man, if I just, I need an extra cup of coffee today. So this is where symptoms start to show up. Stage one, you're asympathetic, like oh, whatever the word I'm looking for, not sympathetic, you're a, you're, you're non-symptoms. <laughs> so anyway, but in stage two, you're starting to get some symptoms, right? You're starting to feel a little bit irritable. You're feeling a little cranky because you're a little tired. Um, you might you might start to notice a tiny bit of weight gain in this because like maybe you were um, turning to like food as like a source of comfort or recovery or whatever it is. So like in this stage, you're able to combat it. You're still able to recover, but you're, this is the stage where you start to feel symptoms and like, you know, like the world that we've been brought up when, you know, when you start feeling symptoms, you start treating the symptoms and the treatment may not be what it actually needs. Like treatment would be slow down, rest, celebrate what you've done, be gentle to yourself. But instead, we are like, no, I have this expectation on me. I've made these commitments. I'm a person who does this. I have to do all these things. And you start getting into your black and white thinking. And you say, no, instead, I'm just going to grab an extra cup of coffee. And then I'll be able to do all the things that I need to do. So this is stage two. This stage, you might start to feel a little depressed, like a hint of it, like something that you're hinting of, but you're not too worried about. This is also where your blood pressure starts to raise and um, just very minor things start to show up, but you're 100% able to function with that extra cup of coffee or extra sugar, one that comfort food, whatever it is. Stage three is then when you've kind of... <laughs> 
ignored you know your stage one felt really good it was rewarding your stage two was a little inconvenient and you kind of dismissed it you kind of ignored it stage three now you're starting to get into like some red flags okay so for me this you know if I could label this as stage three I would label it as the body goes into protective mode so this is where you've started to create a pattern of ignoring what your body really needs like rest, water, exercise, like these kind of things, quality sleep, slowing down. You start to ignore what your body really needs. And so your body starts to adapt. And so this, like, if I think about exercise again, I'm going to relate it back to exercise. When, when you're doing long distance um, sports, you're, you're like me with my triathlons, right? You're swimming forever. You're running miles. You're doing a half marathon. You're biking for four or five hours, right? When you start getting into endurance exercise, your body has a demand and it has to be able to keep up with that demand because you're going for so long. It's endurance, it's long distance. And so your body will start to pull muscle or muscle, it'll start to pull blood and energy. Your, you know, oxygen is within your cells and that provides like energy to your body and your ATP through your body. Like it starts to pull it from the organs or the muscle tissues that are not in use. So when you're, you know, biking, so or running, your your muscles that need the energy, that need the blood flow are, you know, your calves, your quads, like your hamstrings. So the areas within your legs need that energy. They need that attention. But like whatever isn't being used at this time, like your digestive system, your reproductive system, um, maybe even like your thyroid, maybe some of like your muscles on um, your upper body, like it will start to send bare minimum to those organs or muscles and send it all to what is requiring the attention. So the leg muscles, this is what happens in your body when you're doing stuff from a mental level as well. When you are saying, I have to have the energy to be productive, to meet all these expectations, to do these commitments, and you're needing this attention, but it isn't in your body, like your your supply is super low, um, it will start to pull it, its energy, its life force from whatever it can to supply your central nervous system with the energy that you need. So this is when problems really start to arise. This is when problems become unbearable sometimes, uh, unpreventable to like ignore anymore. You start maybe going to the doctor. So at this stage, what isn't vital for your day-to-day demands gets less attention. So it can support the nervous system. The digestive system slows down. So you'll start to notice you're starting to get maybe constipation or um, you're starting to get diagnosed with irritable bowel syndrome. You're going to start noticing like a a steady like weight gain now. Um, You're going to notice that muscle tissue recovery like breaks down. So you're starting to get injuries a lot faster and easier and they take longer to recover you're, you know, if you're like me and you, you keep in this chronic pattern of, of overdoing and overcommitting and not giving your body what it needs, you're going to start getting um, symptoms of autoimmune disorders. And I'm not wishing this on you. I'm explaining to you kind of my experience with this. So, you know, me having this chronic inflammation that no matter what I did to treat the symptoms of uh, inflammation, like I was controlling my diet, I was making sure that I did um, supplements and I was doing X, Y, Z to treat the symptoms, but I really wasn't treating the cause. So I wasn't I was only able to like essentially survive in the most optimal way. So autoimmune disorders, a lot of people are going to start to notice this in this area. You're going to start to notice anxiety show up and it, and it could be for long periods of time. Um, this is where people start to feel restless, but their sleep is ineffective. So they, they like 
uh, sometimes people describe this as like feeling jittery, like they're just on nerve all the time. Like they can't rest, they can't relax, they can't do this and that. But then when they go to sleep, they have insomnia and they can't fall asleep and their brain is running or they're tossing and turning. Um, so this is because of all of these things and the further you get into stage three, because stage three can last a really long time. You can stay in stage three and never hit stage four. So in stage three, this is when you start to have brain fog, your lack of concentration, the ability to recall things start getting affected. You're not getting the sleep first of all, <laughs> that your body needs to be able to do these things. You're in a constant state of anxiety. Like, so you can only imagine that you're going to start to experience lack of concentration. Um, so what I would tell you in this stage is that your body is doing whatever it takes to preserve the energy and to use the energy where it is needed most, which is in your like, uh, your your stress, your cortisol, the the things that are causing you to drive towards like you're demanding out of your body. All right. And then you're going to go into like stage four and a stage four you may never hit. And like, I would even say stage four is one of those like kind of uh, debatable things, right? Because for some people, they're saying it's your adrenaline's like shut down completely and they stop working. All right. Well, I'm not a doctor. So, you know, like this is kind of like to me, you've done did it, <laughs> you know, like, you know, this is the point that um, your body is unable to adjust, it can't provide any more modifications. So back to that um, example with exercising and the blood being pulled towards your leg muscles for running or biking, this is when like, there's no more blood or energy to pull. And so then now your muscles and your legs aren't getting what it needs. And then you start experiencing the leg cramping or um, a blood clot or something along that lines. Like this is the, the stop, the woe, the woe point. Okay, so your quality of life in this stage really starts to diminish. I mean, like the, the things that you're going to start experiencing is having like no sex drive. It sucks. Um, you'll start experiencing depression. Anxiety will become normalized. Um, you get really sick easily all the time. My immune system at one point in my life was like so bad that it's like I didn't want to leave the house because I was just like, I got sick so easily. And this is the point, like it's not it's not the same type of fatigue. This is the fatigue that after you like get out of bed after full night's rest, you get up, you go to the bathroom, you brush your teeth and like you already are so tired. It takes like mental willpower to move your body. This is the point where like I couldn't even go to work. I was like that tired. I was like bedridden. I could sleep like all day and it just wasn't enough for me. This is where and everybody has different experiences. We're all on a spectrum and we experience different things. We're unique. But this is the stage where you start getting stacked health conditions. So um, this was like the stage to me, if I if I could say, is where I had an adjustment disorder like classified, like your body could no longer adapt to the stress. That's essentially a short version, my version of defining what adjustment disorder is, like being diagnosed like this. So um your body can't handle anymore. Like it's just, so things just start going wrong. Like this is when I would start getting like um, cancer cell um, things like pop up. Like I would have tissues that would be rapidly dividing and looking like cancer and starting to get all these like cancer stairs, right? Like this is where not only are you getting sick all the time, but for me, I started losing my hair because my thyroid wasn't working. Um, my skin, my skin started having lots of issues. I started getting like um, patchy skin everywhere, but not psoriasis, but like beginning stages of it. Like um, this is where you start experiencing like poor circulation, your fingers are really cold or your feet are really hot, right? And like, there's just all these things that go on. I'm not going to go into this any further because I think you kind of had the point. But I will tell you that when I was going through my adrenal fatigue and, you know, talking to professionals, 
what feedback I got was that doctors don't know how to treat adrenal fatigue. So, you know, I'm going to tell you what they told me. You do your own research. If you're experiencing these, go talk to your doctors, go do the tests that you need to go do, whatever it is that you need to do to help yourself. I encourage you to do it, but I'm just going to give you the short version. You can research this. I mean, there's so much out there. But, you know, I feel like what most doctors and chiropractors and whatever tell you to do is like, eat a healthy diet. I was already doing that. Cut back on your caffeine. I was caffeine free. Like, um, exercise. I exercised all the time. You know, like, they told me all of these things, like take your supplements. I was doing that. Um, you know, take your ginger water, have ginger tea doing that. Like I was doing what they were saying to do and I was still experiencing these symptoms. I think one of the things that helped me out a lot was um, talking to a life coach that suggested eating at the same time every single day because your body is under so much stress and anxiety that anything that you can do that gives it predictability is going to help calm your nervous system. So eating at the same time every day, going to bed at the same time, creating that pattern gives your body some type of relief. You know, but what I'm going to tell you and what I'm ending this whole episode with is just manage your mind. I know that we want to go off and we want to keep doing what we're doing and ignore these symptoms and then just take a vitamin take vitamin B, get a K shot so that you can have this instant relief and feel better and just keep going and keep producing. But like sometimes I get really mad at our society that we promote workaholism, that we drive women to think that their worth only comes from productivity. This really is upsetting to me. It is upsetting to me and I want it to stop. It needs to stop for all of our health sake, but I'm one person and this is just my point of view, um, what I would tell you and what I have learned from my own personal experiences, I had to learn that one, and I've done an episode on this already, I was born worthy. It's already there. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to do something to prove it. And you have to tell your mind this over and over until you get to a point where you can see it, you can believe it, you can know it to be true. So I'm not going to go into that because I've already have an episode on it. But, you know, minimizing what you commit to so that whatever you do commit to, you can show up as your best version. This is honestly something I, I repeat to myself all the time. And I and I will backtrack because when you have a pattern that you've habitualized, it's like it's like a highway in your brain. You have neuropathways in your brain and it is like a highway and it's like easier to get on a highway to get to where you want to go than it is to go on a, a smaller road, right? So like until my neuropathways are created to where I really fully understand and I have tons of evidence and I'm so comfortable with it that it becomes like a highway in my brain to think that less is more. I just have to keep repeating it. I have to stop, pattern interrupt, stop, recognize, have the awareness of what I'm doing, that I'm overcommitting, have that awareness, step back, don't judge myself, just observe the fact that this is what I did, course correct, repeat what I want, what are my values, live by those values, and then go on the, the, the smaller highway or the highway that's getting built up to be better and stronger than this old pattern that I used to have, right? Okay, that's kind of blurred and rushed, so you might have to go back and re-listen to this, but um, the, the point is finding a way to say no to some of these things trusting that you are worthy right now. You matter right now. It doesn't matter if you get all 50 things on your to-do list done or if you get one thing done. Celebrate that one thing because that one thing is still progress and you're still moving forward. I know this is something so foreign to me and I've had to work with life coaches on this, but be gentle with yourself. My life coach constantly is asking me like, what am I doing to celebrate what I've done? 
And that's something that that takes effort for me right now. But just like lifting five pounds at one point was effort to me somewhere along my line. Now lifting five pounds is like thoughtless, right? It's like a jug of milk. Like it's no big deal. Now I can lift super, super heavy weights, right? It's like the same thought. Like right now, remembering to practice that less is more feels hard, but one day it's going to be super, super easy because I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep showing up and then it's going to be easy and I can do, I can do less more efficiently. And so it's like becoming an expert in something, right? I'm going to really shine in that area. Um, so I know that there's lots of things that you can do. You can go to bed on time to help you. You can cut back on some of your activities, but you really, really Some of this isn't about treating your symptoms and going to the doctor. Some of it is just going inward, asking your body what it needs, listening to it, loving your body because it shows up for you. I know I say this all the time, but your body is a million dollar machine. It makes you money. Without your body, you can't go to work. You can't show up. You can't be at your kids' events, okay? So treat it with love. Slow down. Slow down. Do less. But do that less such rock star-ish. Do it with love and intensity and show up and be the best version of you And I'm going to kind of just end there because we can go on and on on this. I would just ask you to consider what you're committing to. What are your top commitments and what can you let go of? Like ask yourself these questions. What aligns with your top values? Have you ever asked yourself what your top values are? And then what are you doing that aligns with those top values? What are you doing that doesn't align? And are you willing to give it up? You know, for me, I had to go to my kids and tell them, I can't keep you in all of these activities. We have to cut back. You know, we have to cut back or we have to find a different solution. You need to find people to carpool with. Like, I can't be at everything all the time. Um, Now I'm much more laid back about my house getting dirty. I'm much, you know, better about not worrying if, um, you know, I have to do like I'd stack up my dishes in the sink, like that kind of stuff. I'm less worried about this stuff. I I definitely have changed my career as well. Like I am making these changes to adjust, to give my body what it needs. And let me tell you, if you've experienced adrenal fatigue in that stage three, stage four, it's a long road to recovery, but it was a long road to get there. Like you ignored it, essentially. If you were like me, you ignored it until it got so bad. So just like it takes, like an example, like it takes nine months to have a baby. You don't just turn around and drop the weight. Well, you do drop some immediately. But like your road to recovery when you've been doing something for a long time is like a scaling backwards. It's gotta, It's got to take its time to undo. Every day I'm getting stronger and I'm getting better. But that's also because I'm now committed to honoring the fact that I need rest. I need recovery. I need to celebrate what I do. Do Be gentle with myself. Do less. Commit to less. Commit to only things that are a firm yes. All right, you guys. I will talk to you next week. Take care. Oh, and by the way, you matter. Thank you for listening to this episode. It is an honor to serve you. If you found any of this information helpful, I would love for you to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones, as well as subscribe to this podcast. I would also be grateful for a five-star review. You matter. Until next time.